Welcome to the Living Parables podcast, where we uncover spiritual truth and lessons God has given us through His Word and our own life stories. I am Nate, your host. To all the listeners tuning in the show today, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I appreciate every single one of you, and now let us begin. I'd like to welcome you back to a brand new week, brand new episode. My dear brothers and sisters in Christ, this is the epic conclusion of the book study of Colossians. Yes, we have finally arrived. It is Colossians chapter 4. We are going to read and study it in its entirety today. And as I reflect upon going through this book study, at the end of season 2, we talked about doing something different and doing book studies and you know, we had some episodes we did before our book study and just to give you a quick recap of that we started out with the sovereignty of god being bold as a lion the rich young ruler god is everything and now we started a book study series and i'm telling you i have grown so much in this book study able to see God's rich, deep spiritual truth that I can apply to my life and become more sanctified in Him. And I truly hope and pray this has been a blessing and a privilege for you as well to be able to sit and not listen to me, but listen to the mighty, powerful words of God. Because I'm nobody special. And I don't want you to think of that that you know you're my disciples because you're not. We're all disciples of Christ, and we are here to serve, love, worship, and obey Him. That's what we're here for. We are here to worship and obey and serve Him, and to love Him with all of our heart. And that's what we do here. We, we come, we dig deep into spiritual truth, and we, we find what God wants us to be like, what to avoid and and how to be and we do those things and that's what we're doing i hope and i hope that this has been such a blessing to you in your life so with that being said we're going to go ahead and read colossians 4 1 through 18 and let's go ahead and begin masters grant to your slaves justice and fairness knowing that you too have a master in heaven devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ, for which I also have been imprisoned, that I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Conduct yourselves with wisdom towards outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so that you will know how you should respond to each person. As to all my affairs, Tychicus, our beloved brother and faithful servant and fellow bond servant in the Lord, will bring you information. For I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And with him, Onesimus, our faithful and beloved brother, who is one of your number. They will inform you about the whole situation here. 
Aristarchus, my fellow prisoner, sends you his greetings, and also Barnabas's cousin Mark, about whom you receive instructions. If he comes to you, welcome him. And also Jesus, who is called Justice. These are my only fellow workers for the kingdom of God who are from the circumcision, and they have proved to be an encouragement to me. Epaphras, who is one of your number, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, that you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. For I testify for him that he has a deep concern for you and for those who are in Laodicea and Heropolis. Luke, the beloved physician, sends you his greetings. And also Demas, greet the brethren who are in Laodicea and also Nympha and the church that is in her house. When this letter is read among you, have it also read in the church of the Laodiceans. And you, for your part, read my letter that is coming from Laodicea. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord, that you may fulfill it. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my imprisonment. Grace be with you. All right, let's go ahead and go back to the very first verse, and let's go ahead and start breaking this down. It says, Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. And I want us to think of master in this situation as masters as an employee-employer relationship. There should be mutual honor and respect from Christian employers to their employees based on their common allegiance to the Lord. Now, as you know, being a Christian is becoming a very, very rare thing. But spirit-filled bosses should use their authority and power with justice and grace. Never putting people under threats, never abusing them, being inconsiderate to them. The employer must realize that he or she has a heavenly master who is impartial. The true believer is a person that is spirit controlled. And we see this as in justice and fairness. Now, let me just tell you something. We all as people, and we've talked about this many, many times on this show, we as people, his creation, are deeply flawed people. And in that, the employee-employer relationship has become something that it is not intended to be. An employer should be one that has justice and fairness to all employees, yet we find in today's society, today's businesses, that is not the case. There is favoritism, there is a lack of fairness, and there's a lack of justice. And oftentimes leads people to become disgruntled, hostile, upset, and, and turns them into an employee that is not a good employee, but turns into a bitter, disgruntled employee. And with that, this is not complaining on his boss hour, but you see this 
throughout this whole entire country. You have bosses who are not people worthy of respect. And a lot of times there's not a lot of bosses that are capable of the job itself. They were hired because of a popularity contest or they had the in. But what we have to understand is that if we are the employees, our bosses, our supervisors are in that position for a reason. God ordained them to be in that position, whether we like it or not, whether they are capable of not. So we have to respect and honor them in their positions. We have to remember, just like we read last week with Colossians 3, we read that we need to be not people who serve with ex external services that are not focused primarily on pleasing men, but we work with our whole hearts serving the Lord and fearing Him, working with our whole hearts because we are serving God, not men. We are working with our whole hearts for Him. And I will just tell you, I have had my fair share of bosses that I did not care for, yet I've always told them that I will respect them, and if I'm doing something wrong, please tell me and I will fix it and do it. Now, when I, when I just mentioned that I didn't care for them, I am talking about how they were outside of school. I'm talking about an unconverted person, and they have, at times have mistreated me in ways that I didn't appreciate and didn't feel that was valid, yet I still submitted to that person. Because if I meet them with hostility, being disgruntled, being upset, turning into a lazy worker, I am not being what God called me to be. And I am causing more friction than I am good. And that is not what we're called to be either. Because, says masters, grant to you your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. Bosses, supervisors, leaders, we have a master in heaven. And my question is, is he your master? Christian bosses ought to be the best bosses because they are spirit-filled, Christ-centered people who demonstrate justice and fairness equally for their whole employees. And I'm not going to turn this into a whole study on the workplace, but the workplace has a function as well. And in that, we must respect what God has ordained. Anybody that is in a position of power or authority over you is in that for a reason. Now, there have been people that I have worked with in the past who have been mistreated by their bosses, and they said, okay, I'm done now. You're not getting any more effort out of me. I'm not going to go above and beyond. And as soon as I find a better opportunity, I am out of here. Well, 
in my opinion, then you are again, part of the problem, not the solution. And if God wants to purify a place, he will take that position out and put someone in there that he wants. But what we also have to understand is sometimes God does use people that are not his to accomplish his will as well. And maybe that boss that is there is there for a reason. Maybe you've been praying for patience. God, please help me be a better servant of you. Help me to be a faithful follower of you. Help me be more patient. Well, this boss is testing your patience. Not in a way that they know that spiritually they are testing you, but if you as a employee are not patient and lashing out and being angry, well, then you're failing the test. God has given you an opportunity to be patient because you prayed for it. Now he's giving you an opportunity. Then why are you surprised? Should be surprised. You should be you should be thankful and th and thinking of, oh hey, this is my opportunity. Now, I will just tell you this that there have been people that have come across my life that in the workplace I've had to really pray on some things because people were testing my patience. People were testing uh my love, and people were testing other things as well. And I had to come to the realization that if I am hostile towards them, I am not being a faithful follower of Christ. I am not demonstrating the qualities found in 2 Peter 1. I am not bearing the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I'm not doing those things. So I'm bringing down the name of Christ because of the sake of my emotions. Your emotions have to take a back seat to Christ, who is in us, dwelling within us. How are we able to be good employees to bosses that don't know Christ if we are not being spirit-controlled, spirit-led? How can we do that? We can't. We cannot be led around by our emotions. What we ought to do is we ought to stop, pray, and ask God, what are you trying to show me here, Lord? How can I grow spiritually from this? Where can I grow? And I'm not telling you to do anything that I wouldn't do myself. As a matter of fact, I had to humble myself, and I had to pray that prayer. God, I have not been what you have called me to be. I have not been patient with people. I have not been loving to people. I have not followed the way you have taught me to be. I am sorry that, Lord, and help me to be better. Make me better. Show me my, my errors and help me to fix my ways, to make my ways your ways. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, God is going to give you opportunities to practice just that. And I will say that I have gotten better from last year to this year in that respect. So in, in matters of the workplace, you have to... Get rid of yourself being emotionally led, and you need to be fixated on Christ being spirit-led instead. Let's go ahead and go to verse 2. 
says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So devote yourselves to prayer. That means being constantly in prayer, which is one of the aspects of the will of God. We need to be constantly in prayer. And not just that, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. So let's kind of start this in the very beginning of verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer. People, we have to be in prayer all the time. All the time. Just the other day, I was at a place where there was thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And I'm telling you, that is the absolute last place I wanted to be. And... I had my Christian sweatshirt on, which says iron sharpens iron. It was really cool. I did have a lady that was walking and, you know, past me. And she said, Hey, I really like your sweatshirt. And, oh, thanks. Others I saw were looking at that. And, you know, that's the way we are as believers, as people, because people, once they find out that you're a believer in Christ, you know, they're watching you very carefully. There is a bunch of eyes now seeing if you're the real deal or not. And a lot of times I do mess up and fall short. Absolutely. But one thing I do try to do is devote myself to prayer. Now, this is one aspect of my life that I need to desperately work on. And sometimes I do amazing at it. Sometimes I'm praying many, many times throughout the day. Sometimes it's just once. And that's what's so frustrating about the flesh because I I pray that I would be more focused on the spirit than the flesh. But one of the aspects of, of being a follower of Christ is that you understand that you are of flesh and that you have to be of the mindset that you have to die to yourself every day. And so that is one of the things that we must do is keep dying to ourselves every single day. The first thing we need to do when we wake up in the morning is we ought to thank God for another breath, for another day that our eyes get to open and behold God's glorious creation. Even though you've been doing the same routine maybe for 20, 30 years and things have become ho-hum and, and not exciting and you just have to go to the same job over and over and over again. Here comes the stresses, anxieties, and worries, and maybe bosses we just talked about that are not practicing justice and fairness and mistreating you and, and things of that nature. But we need to be constantly in prayer. We need to devote ourselves to prayer. It says keeping alert. We always have to be keep keeping watch, guarding ourselves, guarding our hearts. Let it, you got to be careful what you let in. Keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. We ought to be believers in Christ. We need to be people who should be overflowing with thankfulness. And I'm telling you, that is such, such a wonderful quality to have, but it's such a lost quality nowadays. And it just here's a test. Here's a challenge. Some of us like challenges. Go this week into your jobs to your families whoever it is you want to talk to whoever the lord is leading you to talk to and just go up to somebody and say you know what i want to thank you for all that you do 
I appreciate working with you. I appreciate you. Thank you so much for everything you've done. And you will reap the blessings from that. You ought to see their faces and their responses. It is truly, truly a blessing. But we ought to be people of overflowing thankfulness. Verse 3, praying at the same time for us as well, that God will open up to us a door for the word, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. Boy, isn't mystery of Christ just a reoccurring theme in the book of Colossians? And here we are in the fourth chapter. There it is again. And you are seeing it. But we ought to be praying not just for ourselves, but we ought to be praying for the saints as well. Praying for the unbelievers that they would be converted to Christ, that they would see Him, that they would come to a saving faith in Christ. But we need to be praying for people that His Word, God's Word, would be spreading throughout this world, this nation. But here it talks specifically that God will open up to us a door for the word. See, Paul isn't asking that God would open up doors for health, wealth, and prosperity, but is fixated on what's the most important part of a Christian's life, and that is the word of God. Well, one of the most important things so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ. That is God's wonderful and beautiful mystery, Christ himself, who lives within us, for which I also have been imprisoned. Paul became a prisoner because he was speaking the mystery of Christ. That's why he was imprisoned. That I may make it clear in the way I ought to speak. Now, Paul's greatest desire is to preach and teach the Word of God. And that ought to be the Christian's focal point in their life, is to preach and teach the Word of God. And a lot of times, God's Word, because our lives are so busy and stressful and there's ups and downs and highs and lows, sometimes the Word of God takes a back seat and it collects dust. And may that never be. So even when you don't feel like reading the Word of God, you need to get into the Word of God. And what you'll find is the more you're in the Word of God, the more you want to and desire to be in the Word of God. It's amazing. It's truly a blessing. Let's now look at verse 5. Verse 5 is a verse that I really wanted to focus in on today because this is speaking so true to me today, something that I want to focus on and work on and be my one of my central focal points in my Christian walk. It says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Well, who are the outsiders that Paul is referring to here? Those are the unbelievers. And as believers, we are called to live lives in such a way that we establish, if you will, the credibility of the Christian faith and that we as believers would make the most of every evangelistic opportunity. That should be the goal. 
That should be the focal point, that we live lives as Christ lived his life, which, as we know, is perfect and righteous and holy. We'll never, never attain that. But we ought to be living such holy, righteous lives that when we are seeing unbelievers in their in their day-to-day lives, that if our lives were to cross paths with theirs, that we need to be seeking opportunities in speaking Christ to them. And not it may not be speaking all the time. It may not be speaking at all. It might be just how we conduct ourselves. And that is making the most of an opportunity. Now, if you're working with somebody, maybe you don't ever talk to them. But they see the way you conduct yourself. Maybe there's an opportunity where they see you from far off and they hear a conversation that you're having. If you're living the life God has called you to live, if you are speaking forth scripture, that is making the most of that opportunity. Even though you never, 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 never talk to them. There was a story I heard where a believer was taking his Bible to work every single day, every single day. And in this particular job was being ridiculed over it. And it wasn't until about five years later where this lady came up to this believer and said, you know, I noticed you having your Bible every single day. And I want to let you know that because of that, that really inspired me to get to know God because it was that important to you. And now through that, I am a a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. And yes, amen and hallelujah to that. That is such a powerful story because the things that you do, the, the way you walk, the way you conduct yourself matters. So we have to do that very carefully. That's why going back to verse two, keeping alert, keeping watch with an attitude of thanksgiving. We need to be in prayer. We need to be ha- we need to have an attitude of thanksgiving, praying for the saints, and we need to be wise in the way we conduct ourselves towards outsiders. Now listen to verse six. This is also a crucial aspect of this study. Let your speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Well, let your speech always be with grace, kindness, gratitude, thankfulness. This is where Christ would be sitting and dining with the sinners. The most holy sitting with the most wretched. And how did he speak to people? He spoke to them with grace. And here's a lovely illustration for you as those seasoned with salt. I want you to think about in regards to cooking. Too much salt ruins the meal. Too little salt can ruin the taste. So, Each heart's ingredients calls for a different amount of salt so that you will know how you should respond to each person. Each person is different. Each person is unique. Each person has a different background, a different story, a different heartache, a different trial, different tribulation, whatever it is. And we as followers of Christ 
ought to be examining ourselves, but also examining the people that we are in contact with every day because I've had to do this myself. I know certain people can only handle this much salt and this group over here only needs a little bit. So some need a lot, some need a little. It just depends. That takes diligence and that takes effort. It really does. And here's the other thing. Talking about speaking with grace. To speak what is spiritual, wholesome, fitting, kind, sensitive, purposeful, complimentary, gentle, truthful, loving, and thoughtful. That's what it means to be speaking with grace. But here's the thing. With salt, what does salt also do? It preserves things. So it prevents corruption. And a Christian speech should not only act as a blessing to others, but as a purification influence with the decaying society of this world. And so we have such a responsibility as believers in Christ. We really do. And in the workplace and in the home or at the family, all these things we must do. We must devote ourselves to prayer. We must understand that we have a master in heaven so that we need to be, if we're in a position of leadership, we need to be just and fair. We need to be keeping watch and keeping alert over our souls with an attitude of thanksgiving, praying for the saints, looking for opportunities, making the most of those opportunities, letting our speech always be with grace as though seasoned with salt. I have a little story for you. I was at the workplace and we were trying to come up with these five pillars for our workplace that we are going to hold ourselves accountable and others accountable. And one of them was compassion. And at this point, I'm brand new to the job. And with compassion and with my love for the Lord and his truth, I couldn't help myself but to speak out. And they were talking about, well, what does compassion look like? And I said, we need to be able to put others above ourselves. And we need to talk to each other in such a way that our speech is seasoned with salt, with grace. Now, I kind of twisted it up a little bit because I got it mixed up. But what I wanted to say is I we need to speak to each other in such a way with grace, seasoned with salt. And some people looked at me like, wow, that was, that was really deep, Nate. That's amazing. Others, it didn't go over with so well because they thought compassion was taking care of yourself first, which is the opposite of compassion. But some people came up to me and said, what, where, that's awesome. Where'd you get that from? I said the Bible. <laughs> and then they really looked at me puzzled like, what? It's like, yeah, it's in the book of Colossians. And so I say all this to, to say this. I try my best. I try to be diligent 
in whatever I say to be seasoned with grace and salt in such a way that is a blessing to others. Now, sometimes you need to speak the truth and sometimes the truth hurts. And so you have to be mindful of that as well. But we as believers in Christ ought to conduct ourselves in such a righteous, holy way that Christ lived that the unrighteous unbelievers don't have a choice but to respond. And that is a very heavy burden and a big responsibility. So do you see why we can't take a day off? Do you see why we can't let our Bibles sit there and collect dust? Do you see why we can't pray just once a week? This is such a big, monumental responsibility. Because you might be the only person in an unbeliever's life to have access to the truth. And withholding that truth, I don't don't even want to go there because I don't even want to think of that thought. And as we start to continue through this, verses 7 all the way down through 12, talk about Paul's companions for the kingdom of God. And I'm not going to give you backstories on them right now because I want to focus in on what God is showing us in Scripture. But in verse 12, so I'm kind of jumping from 6 all the way down to 12. So in verse 12, Epaphras, who is one of your number, that means a fellow believer in Christ, a bond slave of Jesus Christ, or bond slave is translated to slave, sends you his greetings, always laboring earnestly for you in his prayers, And what is he praying for? That you may stand perfect and fully assured in all the will of God. And that's what we need to do for fellow brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what we need to do. And yet oftentimes we don't do that. And as we start to conclude this series, here is something I want to leave you with for the book of Colossians. Kind of putting a little bow on this series, if you will. God's great, wonderful mystery is Christ. And not just Christ himself, but Christ living within us. In Christ are the... Glorious riches of wisdom and knowledge. And that Christ is supreme over all things. He is divine. And all the fullness of deity dwells in him. And in him, all things hold together. Through Christ, he took everything that was against us, all the sin that was against us that would cause us to die an eternal death in hell, the second death 
He took that sin and he nailed upon the cross. And now we have peace through his blood on the cross. Because at one point we were hostile in our minds to God. And not just our minds, but in our hearts. Christ came. And when he came, he came for the sole purpose of a rescue operation. Because in verse 13 of chapter 1, he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Chapter 1 was so powerful. Because he took everything that was against us and nailed it to the cross. And that he reconciled us in his fleshly body through death. So to reconcile means to make friendly or make peace again. He took God's hand, God the Father's hand, and he took our hand and his other hand, and he brought them together through his death on the cross. What a wonderful God we serve. And chapter 2, we talked about how God's mystery, that is Christ himself, are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And in chapter 2, we talked about being firmly rooted and established and built up in Him, overflowing with gratitude. And we were warned about not being taken captive through hollow and deceptive philosophies according to traditions of men and the elementary principles of this world, rather than Christ. And we understand that salvation is not of any work that we do. It is our spiritual union with Christ, which we find in Colossians 2, 12, where it says, having been buried with him in baptism, in which... You were also raised up with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. And verse 13, when you were dead in your transgressions and uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him, having forgiven us all of our transgressions. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, that is such a powerful, rich truth. Our salvation is in Christ. And verse 1 of chapter 3, it starts off with a bang. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is. So chapter 3 was talking about being in Christ. Set your minds on things above. Keep seeking those things diligently every day because our lives are hidden with Christ. Who we were is no longer but our identification is found in Christ. In verse 4 of chapter 3, it says, When Christ, who is our life, Christ has to be our life. You hear people say all the time, because I used to love basketball, ball is life. And some people will think that their work is their life. Being, te being a teacher, being a police officer, being a firefighter, being a CEO of a company, that's their life. And a lot of times what your life is is what you spend the most time in. That's what it becomes. But our life has to be Christ. Because when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then we will also be revealed with him in glory. 
And that I think that's that's where we're going to leave it off with because I'm going to read it one last time and I'm going to end there. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed at the second coming, then you also will be, will be revealed with him in glory. And that, my friends, is the hope. That is a blessed hope that in Christ we will never die. Though we may fall asleep and pass away on this earth, our last breath on this earth will be a forever breath in heaven. Because in heaven, there will be no more sickness, no more sorrow, no more pain, no more suffering. It will just be eternal bliss, joy, and happiness because Christ is our life. It's not the things that we get in heaven, but it's who is in heaven is our reward, and that is Christ. And I said it in a Sunday school class. I say it to anybody that would listen to the Word of God. This whole entire book is about Christ. And the day I stop teaching people about Christ and this book being about Christ is the day I need to hang it up because it's all about Him. And whatever we do, whatever we say, we need to do it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and give thanks through Him. Everything is in Him, with Him, for Him. Everything is in Christ, with Christ, and for Christ. So as we wrap up this wonderful study of Colossians, which it's hard to believe it's come to an end, but as we come to this epic conclusion, my brothers and sisters, I pray that you stand firm in God. I pray that you stand firm in Christ. I pray that you open up your Bible every single day. I pray that you are constantly in prayer, that you are diligent in it, that you devote yourself to it, that you devote yourself to the reading and studying of Scripture, that you devote yourself to the gathering of saints in His church. I pray that you take this very seriously, that you love Christ with all of your mind, heart, body, soul, and strength. Pray that you would seek after him all the days of your life, that you would glorify him in all that you say and do and think and act. So with that, this concludes the book study of Colossians. And God willing, next week, we will see what the Lord has for us. But God willing, the plan is for another book study. And so with that being said, I pray that the Lord blesses and keeps you and gives you peace. Until next time, God bless you, my friends.